All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is the intro for episode 77. Episode 77 will be the first episode that does not run on Crow Triple Seven on YouTube because Crow is locked out. Uh, ironically, the two strikes that I have, waiting to see if I get a third and lose my channel, the two strikes that I did get are on clips that have been running there for a long, long time. Anyhow, all you listeners better get your mind right. You better think the way you're supposed to think. I've been watching the TV listings uh, because I knew we would see a reflection of the just full-scale censorship that has broken out on social media. And what do we see? We see the television trying to assist the public in getting their mind right. show called Adam Ruins Everything, demonstrating to people why they're idiots if they question the moon landing. Clearly, the technology was not in place in 1969, to have done that, and you would have needed lasers, of all things, to do that. So I'm telling you right now, if you want to be online, you better get your mind right. At any rate, full content will be running on Crow 777 Radio. Uh, Secrets of Saturn will be running Hour 1, unless they start to accumulate strikes. Looks like we'll be headed over to BitChute before long. Um, We're not going to be hanging out in a place that will not allow us to run content. If I'm able to keep my YouTube channel, what I will be doing is self-censoring the first hour and then running the full uncensored content on Crow777Radio.com. It appears that YouTube, Facebook, other social media outlets are going to absolutely control what is said on their platforms now, which means if we want to use them, we either run censored content or we don't use them. It's a pretty simple paradigm. I would say. The question becomes, is this correct? Do people agree with this? Do the users, the community, do they agree with this? After all, when I got my two strikes, it was community guidelines that I had apparently violated, although it is not clear to me specifically how I violated the community guidelines. While we can probably deduce what is being pointed out, it is so kind of loosely worded as to be a catch-all. Welcome to the modern platforms online. On Crow777Radio.com, we will never censor content. I wrote the About page at the end of 2013 where I was already talking about free speech because it was pretty clear where this goes. Right now, as it stands, there are certain words you cannot say on social media because their algorithms have been rewritten to catch it. One of those is the V word from the milestone event that we just passed here recently. Can't say that word. If you say that word, you will be flagged. I kid you not. Anyhow, Jason and I address what's going on all over social media in the first part of hour one, and then we go straight into FEMA. So I hope you all will join me at crow777radio.com or catch the first hour on Secrets of Saturn on YouTube as long as it's allowed to run there. There it is, man. Come join us. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is episode 77. This is the first episode that will not be posted to Crow 777 on YouTube due to two strikes and a lockout. Um, waiting to see what happens if they remove my channel. Uh, many people are claiming that is exactly what's going to happen. We'll see. Anyhow, wel- welcome, Jason. It has been one hell of two weeks, man. It sure has. We are on stormy waters right now, and uh, let's hopefully push through this all and get 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 through to uh, peaceful land once more. Yeah, man, we are through the looking glass, and it is open season. It is out in the open. It is no longer the hidden hand. People are dropping like flies. Um, where where should we start? Well, let me let me start here first. Let me thank all the followers who stepped up and downloaded basically what amounts to, I don't know whether it was 44 or 47 gigabytes of raw data in the form of YouTube clips to back up the work uh, that I may lose. Thank you all so much. I know that's not an easy thing. Um, I was so tied up in the work, I was not even aware that we had tools now that could do it in one shot. We had a number of IT people. Special thank you to Bruno. Um, who opened up an FTP site for me after I got some more space. And a special thank you to all the people who pulled pulled these clips down so that the books will not be burned. Of course, um, 
even though we have saved the content, uh, there may come a time when the world can no longer search and view the lunar waves as they were meant um, and all the other footage and a lot of it around the moon and the sky and chemtrails, all kinds of stuff. But anyhow, Jason, um, you want to add anything before we start kind of addressing the initial outline that we formed? Well, let's make sure everyone knows why this isn't going up on Crow Triple Seven on YouTube. If we do another one, put another show up, and they flag it again, that's it. The channel's going to get shut down. But I can't even upload, Jason. I can't even log in. Right, without accepting the strikes. Even if I did, I would be locked two weeks. I, I guess I didn't explain that very well, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to make sure everyone knows that you got strikes and that it locks you out. And if it happens again, the channel is indeed gone. So we can't even take the gambles. You know, I didn't even realize you couldn't upload either. So that that's a double whammy there as well. But anyway, that's I just want to make sure everybody knows what the, the seriousness of what's going on. This show is not going to be going out on the free hour on the Crow Triple Seven YouTube channel. It's going to go up on my Secrets of Saturn channel, and hopefully, I don't get a strike. Right, and and we'll address the danger in that in a second. But let's be perfectly clear about what's happened here. Um, we are in fact facing what I am starting a meme about called the modern day book burning. It is open season. We are seeing people drop like flies. Um, as an example of this, um, most of you are aware that I was invited to write carte blanche articles for a new print magazine and digital magazine called Flat Earth Revival. Even though I'm not a formal member of the Flat Earth community, um, I appreciate what they're doing and I jumped on it because I can write whatever I want without any oversight. Having said this, when my channel was taken out and I was locked out, I was invited over there to talk about it, and I did. We did it on a live stream. I posted it in a couple places. Some of you were there. I saw you. Um, I couldn't log in, so I, you know, I, I know you were there. I couldn't interact within the uh, scope of YouTube because I couldn't log in. My point here is this. A day later, Ty Gorton, the... Uh, publisher of that magazine sent me an email showing that he'd received a strike. He was uploading a video which was completely non-controversial um, and it was flagged and he got a strike on the spot. The last thing up was the Crow 777 um, modern day book burning clip. I'm pretty sure that's what drew it, not to mention he was in my subscription list on my YouTube channel. Ty Gorton is moving the Flat Earth Revival magazine to, I don't know whether he's going to do Twitch or BitChute. Here's the rub. I'm hearing that Google's getting ready to buy Twitch because so many people told me go over to Twitch. We're looking. We may head to BitChute. We'll see. But I wanted to get that in. Um, also, let's talk a little bit about the modern day book burning meme, Jason. Um, a bunch of subs began to post, you know, those little e-readers for books like the Amazon Kindle, and they began to point out um, that there's fire, a, a fire relationship in the naming of a lot of them. And if it's not fire, it's absolutely light, which may be the Luciferian idea. But Amazon's already been under the gun for having removed books for sale, basically removing like walking into a library and saying this book won't be available anymore, basically. But as Jason and I began to look, we found uh, e-readers for books named Kindle. has to do with fire. We found one called Fire. There was another one called Spark. Um, there's a bunch of them that have like glow light, glow aura, this kind of thing. A weird one named Kobo. That has a relationship if you look up the etymology. It's a form of currency. It's a weird sex thing. And it's also a Japanese name. So I wasn't sure what to make of that. But uh, we think there's an absolute intent here to absolutely iron-fistedly control the content at hand. So what's going to happen here? is we're moving over to Crow 777 Radio on proper. Whether we go to BitChute or any other place, what it's going to come down to is the interaction we have with the people who come to hear this free speech content. You will note that in the About page on Crow 777 Radio, I was already talking about free speech. I believe that text, because I was already planning for the website, was written near the end of 2013, so we could see this coming. Crow777radio.com is 100% about free speech. The word of mouth, how we interact with the subscribers is going to be the way forward because it looks very likely that we will lose nearly 77,000 
subscribers on YouTube, which was one of our main traffic streams. Anyhow, Jason, let me quit rambling. What do you got, man? Do you want to keep pushing? Well, let's go over a few of those things. Uh, we're going to try this on my channel first and foremost, uh, as far as keeping it on the on the mainstream YouTube. And now I only have a little under 5,000 subscribers that can't match up with your 77,000 subscribers uh, for episode 77. So, Ironically. Ironically, right. So if anybody uh, wants to spread the word to get subscribers to my channel, just so we can get the first episodes out there like they always did, Go ahead and spread the word. Let's just put that out there uh, right now. And I would add too, Jason, uh, when the attack happened to me on YouTube, when I was censored and locked out, many people came and became recurring subscribers, which is basically sustainability for the Crow Triple Seven radio site. Um, but I don't want to really harp on money here. We need the traffic. There's no doubt about it. Um, for us to live, we have to have people who take an interest in this content. Um, as has always been true, all the free content that ever ran on YouTube will be running on Crow Triple Seven Radio. So there will be a member section and everything else. Also, we will soon have transcripts for the shows. Now, here's the rub. Uh, Jason lined up a way for us uh, to start to get actual hand-typed transcripts of the shows. Um, I was going to put it on YouTube, but and I had not got the strikes yet, and I started thinking, you know what? If I do this to the word, they will have everything that was said, and I didn't do it. So probably what we're going to do is end up setting up a spot on Crow777Radio.com, probably behind the members' wall, because if I don't put it behind the members' wall, it is easily searchable, and we who knows where free speech goes uh, with the corporate ISPs that provide our, our web space and stuff. But here's the point. Once the transcripts are available, these can be translated into any language. What's going on in this world is critical. Jason and I are not taking a knee. We are not going to bow. The, you know, think of it this way. The lifetimes that follow our lifetimes are going to look back on what we did here. What's going on is a full frontal assault on human thought, free speech, and basically what amounts to digital book burning. And when digital book burning occurs, that also allows for the history to be written, which has been happening anyhow. We've been demonstrating it since probably the outset of this show. My point here is when the transcripts go up, I'll make an announcement. Uh, whenever I have an important announcement, we'll probably do one of the point five episodes. Um, and then that will be translatable into any language in the world. So back to you, Jason. Well, this is very important. What we're doing here right now, I have a 14-year-old daughter. 20 years from now, I don't want her looking at me and saying, Dad, why didn't you try harder? So we're not backing down. We're going to fight on every front we possibly can. So I want, I want to just put that out there. That it's not just about me. It's about all of us. We all need to be doing everything we possibly can to fight back against this tyranny. Now, I know the corporations have all their, their legal loopholes so that they can get around everything, but... Regardless, we, we need to fight back. Now, I took a look at the YouTube guidelines, the community guidelines, and they're specific yet ambiguous enough that they could get around anything. And I tried looking up stuff on laws and First Amendment rights and all that, and unfortunately what I kept coming up with, and, and I really don't know how this would go down in court, and so it would be good to speak with a constitutional lawyer, but it seems that because we are entering into an agreement with them, in their very massive tome of uh, do you agree to this, 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 and a hundred billion other things, we really don't have a leg to stand on. They, they can pretty much pull your account anytime you want. Let me interject there, Jason. To form any kind of a contract or an agreement, it's characterized as a meeting of the minds. A meeting of the minds implies that both sides who enter into the agreement understand the agreement. I would point out that if anyone has ever looked at the agreement that you enter into with YouTube, um, I'm a pretty bright fellow, and there's plenty of parts I don't understand. If you don't understand the agreement, um, there is some latitude to the veracity of, of you know the effectiveness of that agreement. But anyhow, uh, back over to you, man. Well, I think in, in, if you could argue that case – that would probably come down to an individual basis if you got before a judge. Um, how that would go down, I don't know. But as far as we're playing in their sandbox kind of thing, and I kept trying to find anything that could work in our benefit, 
as far as the First Amendment is concerned. And really what I kept finding, although if I'm wrong, by all means, let us know, that it's more about the government interfering in your free speech. They, they can't step in and say, no, you can't do that. It's got nothing to do with a corporation saying what they can or can't do, because basically you're walking in their door and you're playing in their house, unfortunately. I, I could make an argument about that. The United States is a corporation, so how are they different from Google? You know, I could, That's uh, we could what make I that argument. To get to. Exactly. Yeah. One of the points I really wanted to bring up once more is corporations are people because people are corporations. You know, there, there's a lot of things here that pe- most people don't understand regarding this whole straw man nonsense. But this is the way of things. The Constitution is not what goes on in court. Commercial law is. It all comes down to this maritime admiralty stuff and UCC law. That is the true law of of everything. So someone who has a very strong understanding of commercial law would be the kind of person we need on our side as opposed to... I mean, I'm sure that the Constitution will get us so far, but I, I strongly suspect that a commercial lawyer would actually, in fact, now that I think about it, be much more to our benefit to to, to wade, wade through all this. Well, I sent you I, – I had a follower. I'm trying to find it now, and I'm not having any luck, and I can't do two things at once. So here, I'm just going to quit paying attention to that. I, I forwarded you an email from a follower, um, and I can't even remember the name right now, so I'm sorry about that. Um, that gave us a hookup to a person who is big into business law, the idea of of the things that are going on here, um, and and even pointed out that she knows about loopholes and all these other things. So we will be following up on that. But but here's the thing, man. There's ideas of natural law in this world. There's ideas of inalienable rights, you know, that are supposedly not supposed to be legislated away. And I would argue. To hell with all that. Free thought is a natural right. In my view, saying natural right means that no law can ever be passed that will compel me to give up my free thought. I don't give a damn who, what, where, when, how, anything tries to make me give up free thought. I will not submit to it. I refuse to submit to it. As for my free speech, it's the same thing. I will say what I will say. I work hard not to injure any living thing in this world. And to me, that's the really the only line in the sand. If you're not injuring anybody, no matter how ridiculous the next words out of your mouth, free speech is free speech. And I will not, you know, bow to what's going on here under the veil of corporation or whatever they want to call it. I don't care. And here's the reasoning. There's going to come a time here shortly when corporations control every major information system in this world. And in the case of Amazon, you can already see the sway they have over printed books. There will come a time when what we can find online in terms of information will be under the aegises of these very corporations that are now infringing on what I consider to be a natural right, my free speech. Um, This is a whole other thing. And whether or not we want to look at the law and say they have these rights or that rights, it doesn't matter. We're in a new age. There will be nothing in this world where corporation is not in control of it. If we allow corporation to take the steps on YouTube that they are now um, in the case of people who are just talking about things that they don't want talked about, like this milestone event we just came through, then woe to us because this will creep into everything. But anyhow, Jason, what else do you want to hit before we get over to FEMA? You had mentioned something about DNS attacks on your website, and I don't think you hit on that at the beginning. All right, let's talk about DNS for a minute. Back in the day, way, way back when the Internet was young and I was a webmaster and we made websites, you would go get a web address or a URL, www.something.com, and your Internet service provider would tell you, okay, you have your thing. The DNS or domain name servers will be updated all over the world within 24 hours. The truth is, is it usually happened in less than an hour and supposedly every DNS server in this world was being updated with that information. What that meant was, it's like a street address. It's like when you go to Google Maps and you put in a street address, Google Maps will always return a street street address that exists in this world. A URL is no different in a way. What's going on now is crow777radio.com is not being 
spidered. The DNS, the domain name server, is apparently not being spidered by a lot of search engines, big ones like AltaVista and other things. And to make it worse, I'd say something like 50 to 60 percent of all my followers use handheld devices, phones, a lot of Apple products um, to come hear the content we put out. They're regularly reporting to me that if they put the words Crow 777 in podcast in, they get a zero return. What this means is that search engines are ignoring the fact that Crow777radio.com has a DNS entry. It is no different, in my view, than someone going to a Google map, putting in their street address, and having Google Maps tell them that address doesn't exist. It's the same thing in my book. Um, so I just want to put that out there. From Moving forward from here, um, all the people who put the address to the website where all this content will be held, the free speech versions that are unedited, um, it's probably going to matter because I don't know how we're going to get around this. We're working on it now, um, but at least 50% of all search engines, apparently, um, by the big Windermere or whatever the name of the company here is that owns so many of them, is not spidering or not giving search returns on CrowTrip. 7radio.com. So there's that, Jason. Now, a couple other things. When we were saying about the modern-day book burning, with these companies taking everything digital, they literally have a 1984 Orwellian-like power to change things. Because at this point, if there's nothing to back up a physical book that's been printed and it's only in the digital domain, I don't see what would stop them from just changing some PDF somewhere and then everything from that point on contains the changed information. Right. And, and to put, put that into context, Jason, what this means, just so everyone is crystal clear, Google has had robots for, I don't even know, um, we were told uh, near the turn of the last century that the robots were going full-time, 24 hours a day, scanning every book that had ever been written. Hard to know how true that is, but we know that it is, in fact, going on. Say 15, 20 years from now, someone could go online to get digital books because that's mostly what everything will be. They could read the word Rothschild, which was referred to in some book as a bad man or a robber baron or any number of things that could be associated with that name. And with the touch of a button, that name could be always attributed as a good man or a country founder or a completely different idea. That's what we're talking about here. This is how easy it will be in the future to rewrite history. And we've already spent a lot of time demonstrating on this show that our history has been rewritten while we all had books. So um, it bears it bears keeping in mind the idea and the spirit of what we are talking about here in the digital age with regard to censorship and the wholesale takeover by corporations of all information systems. Getting back to YouTube, there's a few points I'd really like to make. Doing searches these days, trying to look things up, and I've noticed this just since I've had to do weekly research for this program, it seems that they're convoluting the, uh, I don't even know what they are, I guess they're algorithms? Uh, maybe you know more about how that works, Carol, than I do. When you look for keywords, it gives you returns, because I'm assuming it's searching databases and picking those things out. Is that correct? Right. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. You're describing it so people can understand. Go ahead. Right. So the thing I'm noticing over and over and over again as I'm trying to find certain certain things is that I'm not able to find them. I'm finding things that don't don't relate or and I know how to do Google searches, you know, effectively. It's that's how I did all these programs. And it just seems like things are getting harder and harder. So one of the things we did find out is that <clears throat> algorithms were specifically rewritten for YouTube, and I wouldn't doubt Facebook as well, but that wasn't mentioned in uh, some of the articles I saw. But specifically YouTube rewrote algorithms so that if you started speaking about le uh, the incident that happened last week, that uh, you would get flagged, basically. I think that's how they're doing it. I, I think they're flagging things that way. Yeah, there's a big part of it. And in fact, Facebook and Google, the two big monster giants, both rewrote their algorithms. And I talked about this a little bit in my point five episode that I published for membership only. Um, this is what's going on. If you say the word that cannot be uttered, if you mention that V word, it will be picked up. And um, this was a milestone thing. 
This is social change will occur on the back of this. Uh, the problem here is, is that the power that's being brought to bear is unbelievable. I'm watching some channels, over 100,000 subscribers getting locked out or taken down. Hard to know which has happened in many of these places. I actually went with referrals to other big channels and said, hey, man, Crow Triple Seven here. This is what's happened. Would you like to have me on their show? To date, I have zero replies. That's how afraid everyone is. And I can't really blame them. Uh, look what happened to Ty Gorton on Flat Earth Revival Magazine's YouTube channel. It only had a, a few hundred subscribers, and they took the time for having brought me on his show, I guess, to give him a strike. So... There it is, man. Um, and by the way, the content that runs on Crow777radio.com will never be censored. There may come a point when the stuff that the first hour that we put out will actually have censored edit points, which we will call basically censored edit points to all the people listening. There will be no mystery that we put a censor edit point because the powers that be will likely try to curb that free speech by shutting down the channel or removing the video or giving strikes, this kind of thing. So anyhow, back to you, Jason. Now, the other point with YouTube I want to make is the level of control they have and how it is very likely that they started figuring all this out many years ago. Now, the Internet itself is obviously not, as far as the public is concerned, that Old, You know, we're talking 20, 25 years maybe. But it seems like they had a lot of these things in mind way back when, even before the bandwidth existed to do a lot of what we do now. And uh, I know, Crow, you have a lot of experience with the early days of the Internet and how things were going. So I think you could probably give a better explanation than I could. But it seems like they had things in mind way back when. Well, it's funny. When I look up where they mark the beginning of the Internet for the general public, the dates are always further back than I accept. Where I mark it is right around 94, 95 when AOL was coming out. And even at that point, many of the browsing systems were not really handing, handling images very well. It was just on the cusp of when you know simple images and things were starting to come around. That's what I remember firsthand. But here's the thing. We are told, and I didn't look up the date, I forget. We've only had YouTube since, I think, 2005 or six. I've forgotten which. February 2005. And there it is. So 2005 is when we got YouTube. But I will point out, in the same way we are told that Google was invented by a couple of guys who dropped out of their PhD program and did this brilliant thing, we are told that the creators of YouTube came from, I think it was eBay. Is that correct, Jason? I think that's correct. PayPal. PayPal, there it is. They were already in this Goliath part of the business, and they broke away and they create YouTube. I'm just saying. So in the beginning of YouTube, what happens is it's come one, come all who walk or crawl. Give us your video, man. As time goes on, it becomes give us two hours of video, three hours. We don't care if it's 4K video. We'll take all that. We'll give you the server space for free. We'll deal with the bandwidth. We'll do all these things. And what that proves is that this whole thing was a forethought. And here's why. Because the the sheer cost, and you got to realize, I forget what, when, when YouTube was bought by Google, it was one of the largest purchases. It was in the billions. It is. Uh, I actually brought up the history just to get this straight. Google bought the site in November 2006 for $1.65 billion. Oh, it was only 1.65. Um, so, but anyhow, it was a massive purchase. Um, you can see what's going on here. So they spend one point whatever six five billion dollars. Meanwhile, they're eating all the cost of all the server banks that do this, all the bandwidth. You know, every one of us we use our cell phones to send stupid texts, and we're getting bandwidth bills. You know what I'm saying here? So here's Google taking video from the entire world, and they're eating the cost. Now, eventually, ads start to come into it more and more and more. So, of course, they start making Lord knows how much money because nobody can know for sure because AdSense is behind it. And AdSense is almost certainly a subsidiary of, of Google in some way, certainly under the control and aegises of Google. The point here is – Everything that's gone on seems to have been planned. Otherwise, how could you spend these staggering amounts of money not knowing where this was all going? Uh, in my book, it was pretty clear that this was going to be a major information system, and it, money didn't matter. 
Um, they ate the bandwidth. They ate the server volume costs. They ate every cost you can imagine up to the point where ads may have finally caught up and begin to offset the revenue. So you can see what's going on here. To this day, if I go over to crow777radio.com and I want to run video, it's freaking expensive. I couldn't even run three HD videos with the length and quality that YouTube was allowing me to do it. And it would already cost me something like 50 to 60 bucks a month. I've already looked into this and I'm looking for workarounds. So you can see the complicity in all this. The private person is still faced with these huge bills if they want to run privately served video. And that's another thing. Early on online when I built websites, it didn't matter. You put your video, your audio, whatever you were building went on a server. Same server as your website. As time went on, this whole thing became, oh, well, now you need a media server. So um, it's all been carefully choreographed so that now if private people want to serve their own video, they better have some damn deep pockets. But in my view, there is no way this was not all planned out from the beginning. And to me, the patina of the creators of YouTube having come from PayPal really begins to tell the tale. I think these guys were all probably players doing what they were there to do. There's no way to prove that, and that is a massive assumption on my part. But when we look at what's going on now, um, we've got to back up, take a step, and begin to understand this is our future, man. This is our free speech. This is our free thought. This is your kids are going to face whatever we allow to happen here. And I promise you, three to five years from now, if nothing is done about what we see going on, you're going to show up at your ATM one day and it's going to say, oh, sorry, we can't give you money today because your car license isn't up to date or some other control-based nonsense. That's where this heads, man. <clears throat> sorry for the ramble, Jason. Well, let's talk about just what the digital domain is right now and, and how it's all integrated to itself. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we've addressed this on a couple points. You know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago when you went to your shopping, your your supermarket, and you used your card to get money off your purchase, it was probably independent of your gas card, you know, all the other cards you carry in your life. That's not true anymore. All that data is up for grabs to the highest bidder or, the you know, any bidder for some of it, and it's all obtainable. And this is why, like when you go to Rite Aid or CVS, for people not in America, these are like kind of like drug stores in a way. They're like corporate chain drug stores. They have pharmacies in them and all kinds of convenience items. When you go in there, they always want your card. And let me tell you something. They'll give you like if you buy $30 worth of goods in, say, a Rite Aid, um, if you use your card and you're a regular member, you can sometimes get a third off that price. I'm not even kidding you, like $10. Um, my mother was signed up at all these places. I refuse to use these services, um, but you can understand what's going on here. So really, I walk in as a non-member and I get like a $30 bill, but if I'm a gold member, whatever the hell they call it, and I get you know $7 to $10 off a $30 purchase, you know damn well what's going on there. They're, they're doing the same thing YouTube did by eating the cost of servers and bandwidth just to get the data. You see, uh, and that sets aside the whole flu shot thing that goes on at these places. But anyhow, Jason. Walked into a Wal uh, Walgreens on Monday. Three posters on the outside alone saying, get your flu shot. I'm talking about like three posters within just my field of vision walking into the door and then another one on the inside and multiples around the store. They really, really, really want you to take your flu shot. Yeah, man, we should go around. Uh, I'm no not suggesting. Coping. Yeah, exactly. It's it's free. That's another thing. Every medical procedure in the United States you get is ridiculously expensive, and then they multiply by three just to ensure that it's ridiculously, ridiculously expensive. But flu shots, they'll give those suckers to you any day of the week. As a matter of fact, they'll give you two or three. It's almost like those those signs in front of the stores that advertise the free flu shot should maybe be advertising the zombie apocalypse or something. I don't know. The one grocery store chain had a big sign up. I don't know if it's still there. I don't like going there. 10% off your grocery bill if you get a flu shot. Oh, my God. 
So let's just say this what this is. This is the eugenics program at work, folks. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, nothing is free in this world except for what you're paying for in some way you don't understand. And the flu shot is one of those things. Um, God, I would urge everyone, everyone, whoever hears this recording before you get any inoculation put into your body, look very carefully at what's being done to you and understand it fully before you agree to it. For my part, another needle will never pass my body unless I'm passed out on an operating table. I don't want to say that there's nothing to the science, but I think what they've done with the science with with an absolute is the bad is definitely a bad thing. Now, whether there's validity to the science behind inoculations, there may be, but we're not going to get it. There's just that's not going to be something we have access to on our level. Well, this is, you know, it's about like the alchemical thing, isn't it, Jason? You know, people have been here for as long as people have been here. How long have they been getting inoculations? You know, you watch the ridiculous Hollywood construct where we're tried they try over and over to convince us that during the cowboy days, you were lucky if you lived to be 45. Your water was pure. All your food was organic. Your air was unpolluted. But these poor people only lived to be 45. Um, This ridiculous construct trying to make it look like we live longer now. And I would argue, (laughs) I would not be surprised if the national averages for how long Americans live right now is actually going down because of the food supply and the drug-based medicine and all the other things. Yeah, my, my point here is that if people have been here for hundreds and hundreds or who knows, thousands and thousands of years, whatever the actual timeline is, what percentage of that time have doctors been sticking needles in their body, giving them inoculations? I would suggest it's a very small portion of that time proving that there was really no need in the first place. That's logic for me personally. But again, if you're going to get needles stuck in your body with inoculations and other things, I urge you to look into exactly what is being put in your body. Um, anyhow, there it is from my my end. Well, the big changing factor, as far as I understand it, with regards to lifespan, was the uh, integration of uh, what do you call it, sewage systems. That that was the big thing. Before that, people in cities were just dumping their sewage out into the streets, out of their buckets. And of course, that's in people are walking through that, or you got it dumped on your head, God forbid. But you know, it's that's the big thing. You weren't treading through people's poop and pee all through the streets. You know, it's that changed a lot. That's a whole other thing. You know, is that really a, an accurate assumption that people were so pig-like? That's how they lived. You know, when I was in Japan, they still have open sewage, but it's not open sewage. And the Japanese are known for their cleanliness. I mean, they all but invented the bath, you know, <laughs> basically, uh, in in terms of what we're told about the Middle Ages, when supposedly no one in England would take a bath and this other probable nonsense in my life. But in Japan, it's like there's these little brick things, flat brick things that cover a gutter and the sewage will be going down. And when you go into some of the older places, you can smell it. It's not overwhelming, but in in, in no way, shape or form would I call it a health hazard. Um, you're looking at a village that's been there hundreds of years. Um, and so I'm just questioning, is it really true? I mean, were there people that were so pig-like that when you walk down a street, you might get a bucket of poop poured on your head? I mean, you see it in movies all the time. I don't know, man. I'm not willing to accept that. I think people are a little brighter than that. And while I'm sure there's examples of nastiness in plenty of big cities, overall, I would suggest that people back in the day were eating pure water in most cases, organic food, The air was probably much, much cleaner. Um, I'm just not buying into the idea that living to 45. You know what's funny, too, Jason, is you'll see the accounts of, oh, well, people are only living to 45. And they'll be showing you the old Deguero-type images of some dude with a white beard, you know, clearly in his 80s or 90s. It's just I'm not buying into any of it. Uh, I, I don't see a reason to buy into it. And I don't think people, for the most part, are that idiotic uh, to live in a trough like a pig. Well, I, I, th- I still think that real sewer systems would, would change a lot of just sanitation issues in general, not to mention the fact that people did start taking more regular baths. Uh, there's also the the whole – the quality of the air, like let's let's see – I'm trying to remember when the official start of the Industrial Revolution was, but the 1800s. I would say anything before then, 
You didn't have dirt, ash, soot, and God knows what else getting into the food supply. So if other than, than early childbirth, which, of course, we know the medical technology wasn't there, a lot of babies did die. That's actually why a lot of people would have a lot of children, because if they didn't know if they were all going to make it past five, uh, if I remember the, the statistics correctly. But if you did, obviously your immune system was strong and healthy, and you know you, you, you made it, and that's why you see these big families would, would be on farms. But if you average those statistics together, it looks like people didn't live as long way back when, but they're, they're adding in the, the baby deaths. Or the, or the early childhood deaths. You take that out, people lived just like we do now. And I, I definitely agree that with how much crap they're pumping us full of and with the food being massively nutrient deficient, we're not going to be living as long. And I think it's going to keep going downhill unless we do something about it. Right. I'm sure that, you know, as the, there are plenty of accounts that even just the heating of major cities like London would put so much soot in the air. And I'm sure that's accurate. Uh, my point is, is that that is not the majority of the world was not living that way. Um, that was a big city. Um, even if you come into the founding of America, um, you have a big mix. There's cities here. And even if you wanted to say that all the industrial revolution and all that was totally fouling the air, you still have a massive portion of society that has no connection to that. Um, you know, when I was back in the day when I was reading all these supposed teachings from Buddhist uh, era of maybe, I don't know, claimed uh, 1100 A.D., is, is some of the claims on some of these things I was reading through. Um, almost all the top-level teachers were in their 80s when they died. Um, very few of them, for some reason, made it into their 90s. Uh, in that part of Tibet, I guess it was common to die in your 80s or something. But you see, there's a whole mix in this world. And what we actually get when we look at the media is this idea that everybody's dying at 45. Um, that uh, Anyhow, we're, we're kind of sidetracking. Here, I, don't, I don't want to go too far down this road. Is there anything that we need to get in before we jump over to uh, FEMA? Well, the last thing I want to bring up as far as uh, our whole intro here, we tried to get into your Facebook yesterday and they're playing the usual games of uh, corporate control. You know, they don't want you right. to easily to, to just get back into an account once it's been flagged. And of course, your account was flagged. So I was trying to get into it so we could use the page there. And, of course, we they were playing the, uh, hey, you need to name all these peoples based off their faces game. And, you know, we couldn't do it. So, again, a massive level of control. And they know that, that, that this is what goes on. We couldn't even figure it out that easily because not everybody makes their pictures accessible or their own profile picture is a picture of their dog or something. So they know what right. they're doing. They know what they're doing with this stuff. You know, they know that not everybody on your friends list is a personal friend of yours. So they use that against us. And that's the last thing I think we need to put out there regarding all that. It's beyond ridiculousness. You know, we're told we're going to be put through a security check. I haven't even touched my Facebook account since I don't even know how long it's been. Um, in light of what's gone on on YouTube, we thought maybe we'll just post announcements. We'll never communicate there. Or I will never communicate there. Maybe we'll just post announcements because I think I have... 2,000 or 2,500 followers. But of course, what do they do? You got to look at this picture of these 2,500 people that you claim are your friends from all over the world, and you got to tell us their name. Half of them have a freaking mushroom icon or an avatar of their kid or their dog. I mean, it's beyond ridiculous. And it shows the complete disregard of these organizations uh, to do anything but control you. You know, I was speaking with Dave Jay, who, by the way, is the person who coined the modern day book burning and an offhand comment to me, uh, sending condolences when he realized what was happening on YouTube to my channel. Um, I was talking with Dave Jay and he, he rightly pointed out that if this was about a video that was a problem, they would just remove it. But that is not what we see, is it? You know, Dave Jay told me that he's lost over 1,300 original clips. Um, a lot of people now have started backing up whatever he does whenever he does it. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the, the, the total tell about these corporations. They have zero regard. In the case of my YouTube channel, it's been years 
almost every day I have gone to YouTube to deal with the comments, to respond to people, to remove people who are, you know, being rude or whatever the case may be, doing something on that channel, building it up, many thousands of hours of work, I can't even tell you, and just the nonchalant manner in which they step up within two days and lock you out with videos that have been running since years ago in some cases, um, and this is what they do. It demonstrates the complete disregard for the humanness on the other side of these channels. All they're interested in is control, and I think they demonstrate it every day in spades, and Dave J is absolutely right that if it was in fact a video that was a problem, they could simply remove it. That's not what they're about. So anyhow, Jason. Right, and there it is. And uh, before we get into FEMA now, I did want to make one last point that I just thought of. Uh, Crow and I would like to go on other shows just to discuss what's going on, whether that's Crow him by himself, me by myself, or both of us together. We want to do shows. So if anybody out there is interested in having us on in whatever format, get a hold of us. Crow's email is crow777 at gmail.com. Mine is secretsofsaturn at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Yeah, so there it is. Um, and as I mentioned before, I put out some feelers to some people I know and got zero responses because everybody's so afraid right now. But if you do know someone who wants to have us on and speak with us, uh, we're not even really interested in vetting any of the channels because so often you go on a show and everyone assumes that means you're backing the work of whoever show you're going on. In this case, we simply just want to talk about to as many people as we can in public forums about the just unacceptable censorship against our natural rights. So there's that. And let's not forget just how many channels I did actually start checking. Lots of channels that I look at or am subscribed to are having the same thing happen to them. Like they're getting strikes as well. And sometimes it's uh, Christian truthers. There's there's a large volume of people who are very dedicated Christians who are also very dedicated alternative media people, and they're getting strikes against them. And they're not even going as anywhere near as far as what Crow and I do. So this is across the board. If you're talking about things they don't want you yapping about, believe me, they're coming after all of us. So we need to fight back and, and you know, there's strength in numbers. This is the best thing we can do is just discuss this openly and go after these corporations. Yeah, just don't accept it. Um, if you agree that free speech and thought are a natural right and that corporations should not control what is spoken about in a public forum, then don't accept it. Um, anyhow, we're about to get into FEMA here. And ironically, on the back of the first print edition of Flat Earth Revival magazine that I'm writing articles for, I saw a big ad on the back cover called FEMA Camp. And I thought, that's funny. And I looked and it stands for Flat Earth Music and Arts, and I just started busting up. So anyhow, we're about to cover Flat Earth Music and No, we're about to cover <laughs> FEMA, the governmental organization. And Jason, I'm not sure what we're going to end up saying here, but I will forewarn everyone listening, there may be some edit cut points that actually censor our own content. But again, Crow777Radio.com, the free and the full episodes will never censor a single word. Every word uttered will be available. And I'm going to try my best to not put any kind of censor points in this. My channel, thankfully, has never had any problems whatsoever, and that's where this first free hour is going to go as far as YouTube is concerned. So we're going to do our best to keep that to a minimum, but if we do have to censor because we say something that we know is a keyword that's going to get triggered, we're going to do what we have to do just because we want to maintain a presence on YouTube if possible. But, but, but Jason, what if we say the V word? If we say the V word, the algorithms will get us. What if we call a spade a spade? <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you see, that is a problem. Big Brother is watching. Anyhow, go ahead, man. Watching, listening, and sees all the porn you've got. That's what's going on here. Anyway, FEMA stands for the Federal Emergency Management Agency. FEMA has a current annual budget of $13 billion. It is used and distributed in different states according to the emergencies that occur in each one. An annual list of the use of these funds is disclosed at the end of each year on their website. FEMA has the country broken down into 10 separate regions. And just so you know, Crow, you are in Region 1 and me here in Louisiana, Region 6. Oh, really? I thought I was in Region 9. I thought I was uh, in the same region as the event we can't mention. That's not correct, huh? Uh, not if you're up north. 
Okay. Well, I would. Oh, I see. I see. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting that I'm not in San Diego. San Diego <laughs> is, is region nine. You can take the boy out of California. But um, anyhow, there's, there's a couple things we should mention here. On the tail of all the censorship uh, 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 around the event that we cannot mention, the spade that we called a spade, many people went to look up the drill schedule for FEMA. And here's the thing. Before the big event we can't mention, people actually found a drill schedule that was right up to the event we can't mention, actually. Now, for some reason, if you go into the comments sections of any number of places, apparently the only schedule you can find is only up until 2004. And I think that bears, bears some thinking about. If we have an organization like this and they're going to be doing drills and they're going to be living on supposed taxpayer money, shouldn't they be publishing what they are doing and what they are about to do? Because it seems to me that if all my followers went out looking for a drill schedule and they could only find up to 2004, I, I mean, what the heck? That's all I'll say. What the heck? Back to you, Jason. All right. So from FEMA's official website. For 38 years, FEMA's mission remains to lead America to prepare for, prevent, respond to, and recover from disasters with a vision of a nation prepared. On April 1st, 1979, President Jimmy Carter signed the executive order that created the Federal Emergency Management Agency. From day one, FEMA has remained committed to protecting and serving the American people. That commitment to the people we serve and the belief in our survivor-centric mission will never change. The Federal Emergency Management Agency coordinates the federal government's role in preparing for, preventing, mitigating the effects of, responding to, and recovering from all domestic disasters, whether natural or man-made, including acts of terror. FEMA can trace its beginnings to the Congressional Act of 1803. This act generally considered the first piece of disaster legislation, provided assistance to a New Hampshire town following an extensive fire. In the century that followed, ad hoc legislation was passed more than 100 times in response to hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, and other natural disasters. By the 1930s, when the federal approach to the disaster-related events became popular, the Reconstruction Finance Corporation was given authority to make disaster loans for repair and reconstruction of certain public facilities following an earthquake and later other types of disasters. Okay, man. Well, I'm kind of stuck on your first sentence there with their little tagline, A Nation Prepared. Hmm. Hmm. Think about that. But, you know, uh, at this point, I would urge everyone to go look up in a dictionary, the difference between what the word drill means and the word disaster. See if there's a difference in the meaning of those two words. I know I'm speaking in a rather cryptic way, but there's good reason for it right now. Um, go out, look it up, look up what the word drill means, look up what the word disaster means. See if there's a difference between those two words. What do you think, man? What do you think, Jason? Is there a difference between those two words? Uh, on the surface, there certainly is, but I suspect you're getting at something a lot deeper. Well, I suspect I am too, but for the sake of Secrets of Saturn, we'll just leave it there for now. How about that? That sounds like a good idea. So, President Carter's 1979 executive order merged many of the separate disaster-related responsibilities into the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Among other agencies, FEMA absorbed the Federal Insurance Administration, the National Fire Prevention and Control Administration, the National Weather Service Community Preparedness Program, the Federal Preparedness Agency of the General Services Administration, and the Federal Disaster Assistance Administration activities from HUD Civil Defense Responsibilities were also transferred to the new agency from the Defense Department's Defense Civil Preparedness Agency. So basically, one big umbrella agency. Holy smokes, man. What jumped out and bit me on the butt right there was its absorbing of the Federal Insurance Administration. Um, that's a hell of a thing, man. That's almost like a conflict of interest in my view. Think about it. Um, if it is claimed that some big event happens, then insurance is going to come to bear if property or other things are damaged. Um, how would you ever associate something like FEMA with the Federal Insurance Administration? Almost seems like a way to stack the deck before the fact in a weird way. Um, but anyhow, what do you think, Jason? Does this doesn't seem strange? Well, control the money and control the people is what I take from that. Yeah. Um, fire prevention, 
Weather Service, National Weather Service. Um, yeah, I mean, as it goes down, it, it almost seems like uh, well, what's that old commercial from the 70s, man? These cards are marked. They're a mess. They're a chocolate covered mess. Anyhow, moving on. Just mentioning the weather thing is a complete joke because as if we've ar- we have already covered and as I'm sure many listeners know, weather is controlled, at least on some level, if not at times completely created. There it is. There it is. You have the you have FEMA absorbing the Federal Insurance Administration, the Fire Prevention and Control Administration and the Weather Service. And again, go back, listen to our old shows. Um, the weather is not what it once was, um, although that's a pretty bold statement because I can't tell you what it once was. I don't even know what drives the weather in this place we live. So that is a bold statement. But we have done ample work to show um, that weather manipulation has been going on since probably before the Industrial Revolution, certainly well over 100 years ago. So the idea that FEMA is involved with the weather service, uh, that's a telling thing indeed to me. Now, next is going in hand in hand with all the FEMA stuff is the Robert T. Stafford Disaster Relief and Emergency Assistance Act, Public Law 100-707, signed into law November 23, 1988. Uh, It amended the Disaster Relief Act of 1974, Public Law 93-288. It created the system in place today by which a presidential disaster declaration of an emergency triggers financial and physical existence through FEMA. The act gives FEMA the responsibility for coordinating government-wide relief efforts. It is designed to bring an orderly and systematic means of federal natural disaster assistance for state and local governments in carrying out their responsibilities to aid citizens. Congress' intention was to encourage states and localities to develop comprehensive disaster preparedness plans, prepare for better intergovernmental coordination in the face of a disaster, encourage the use of insurance coverage, and provide federal assistance programs for losses due to a disaster. This act constitutes the statutory authority for most federal disaster response activities, especially as they pertain to FEMA and FEMA programs. So, you know, what what this brings to my mind is remember back to Katrina, where the news is pumping out all these people on their roofs with, you know, bed sheets spelling out the words help. And we're being told, what the hell is the government doing? You know, it's been four or five days or whatever it was and no help is coming. And then they have that big, ridiculous photo op of Bush going down and patting that guy Brownie on the back saying, you're doing a hell of a job, Brownie. And it was like a a slap across the face of America where they were showing there was a disaster and apparently no aid came in a timely manner, um, almost setting the stage for what we saw in New Orleans where, you know, we're even getting reports that M1A1 Abrams tanks were being brought in and the response was immediate. As a matter of fact, there are people that claim the response was actually days before the event even went down. You can almost see a systematic methodology coming to bear here. Did I say that correctly, Jason? Yes, I think so. And I have a lot of information I'm going to get into regarding Katrina because just so I get this said in hour one, I strongly suspect that Katrina, just like the events that have been happening recently, are all part of a bigger test to see where people really are at, sociologically speaking, at any given point. Yeah, you know, it's a strange day uh, if you want to go back and look at the old clips of of whether or not it reflected accurately the reality of what was going on in New Orleans, um, the Katrina thing. See, what the news was projecting is, look, there's all these people, their houses are underwater, they're stuck on rooftops, they're dying, um, you know, and nobody's coming. Why is nobody coming? And if you remember back, freaking Sean Penn leaves Hollywood with a boat, apparently, to start go rescuing people. I mean, come on, man. Um, Where's the reality? It feels like Alice in frickin' Wonderland when you began to dissect what they were showing. So now Hollywood's coming to save people because the government can't seem to get there. Um, And then, of course, they follow it up with the president coming down and patting the guy on the back saying, we didn't do shit, good job. Um, Think about the intention of that messaging that was put out to everyone. Now fast forward to what went down in Houston and compare and contrast. I don't think I need to spell out the scent, the aroma, the patina of what seems to be going on here. Um, Do I, Jason? Do I need to get any further into that? 
No, and we're going to see in hour two how these agencies actually deal with things because FEMA becomes part of the Department of Homeland Security after the whole 9-11 affair. So we're going to see just what what it is this is all about. And as I said, I have a lot of material on Katrina that I'm going to go through that I I was aware of, but it was a very interesting refresher to go back and reread all the things that people were saying, the major shenanigans going on at the time. Right. And in hour two, we're going to just be dropping some more bombs here. Uh, I'm going to throw all caution to the wind. Not that I threw too much caution to the wind for hour one, but we're going to see what happens when Jason runs this on Secrets of Saturn. If he gets a strike, no big deal. We'll just readjust. We probably will be going to BitChute or some other place that is not infringing the free thought and free speech of the people. Google, YouTube, Facebook. Um, to poke somebody in the eye. Anyhow, Jason, we're about to the top of the hour. Uh, Do you want to cover anything more before we come back in the second hour and tee up with our Louisville slugger? I'm going to save the rest of this for hour two because it's very wordy. So hour two, we're definitely going to continue tearing into FEMA and all the things that uh, we see going on and what we think they're actually doing with FEMA, which is... It's a control grid. That's that's pretty much what it comes down to. And on to go hand in hand with that control grid, I would say is a social engineering matrix. So when we come back in hour two, can I open up the intro by saying Vegas, 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 nine eleven, nine eleven, nine eleven? Now am I supposed to censor that? Yeah, you see, there's the problem, and I did that for a reason. Yes, Jason, you're actually going to have to do a cut point right there and censor that uh, and push it over into hour two so everyone understands what just happened there. Um, It is an actual demonstration of where we're at. Anyhow, anything else you want to add into the first hour? Now, I hope folks really take to heart everything we discussed uh, for the first 45 minutes here and uh, do your own part. And by all means, if you have any suggestions or you are someone who runs a show that you want to deal with us, we're ready. Yep, there it is, man. That's the top of hour one. Jason and I are going to come back with a Louisville slugger and continue down the FEMA march. It's a brave new world. It's beyond a brave new world. This is Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. Everything is out in the open now. The censorship is full on in your face. We'll come back for hour two and we'll cue it up like we always do. I hope to see you all over at Crow777radio.com. And if you give a damn about free thought and free speech, come and support us over there. YouTube is freaking dead. Facebook is dead. There have to be other avenues now. I will not stand for the complete subversion of my natural rights, and that is what's going on online. So there it is, man. Hope to see you all over at Crow777radio.com. Cheers. So when we come back in hour two, can I open up the intro by saying... (laughs) Now, am I supposed to censor that? Yeah, you see, there's the problem. All right, man. How did you like that YouTube censored extra? Sweet, right? All content on YouTube will now come to you paradigm shifted. Ladles and jelly spoons, I have come before you to stand behind you to tell you about something which I know nothing about. This Thursday, which is Good Friday, there will be a mother's meeting for fathers only. Wear your good clothes if you have none. Admission is free. Pay at the door. Pull up a chair. Sit on the floor. I will tell you a tale you've heard before. It will fascinate you. It's really a bore. One bright day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, threw their swords, and shot each other. A deaf policeman heard the noise. He got up and shot the two dead boys. If you don't believe this lie is true, ask the blind man. He saw it too. Thank you. Our next meeting will be about the four corners on the round table. Four 